Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network Podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now let's get into today's teaching. Good evening, good evening, everyone. This is Apostle Coy Green, a founder of Overseer of Upper Room Kingdom. I greet you all in the precious name of Jesus. I pray to each and every one of you uh, had a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, so here, we're here once again for our weekly Bible study. So I greet you all, those who are tuning in live on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope. Again, uh, if this is your first time tuning in or leaving listen to a replay or a broadcast. Uh, certainly, I know that something will be said that you'll have a great impact on your life in jesus name amen so good evening to you all uh and good morning to some where you are uh god bless you uh so we're gonna open up in prayer and we're gonna jump right on into the word god father god we come now we give him glory we give him honor we give your name praise we thank you for this day that you have made we shall rejoice and be glad in it we thank you god for the word that shall go forth on today, oh God. We know it should go forth with power. We know it should accomplish what you said it to accomplish and accomplish and lives with these, your people, oh God. Speak to me, speak through me. Move flesh aside, crucify flesh right now in the name of Jesus, oh God. Let your word take root in our lives, oh God, that we may hear it, oh God. It may, it may, it may go uh, deeply rooted, that we may apply it in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you. We praise your name, oh God. We declare your glory will come upon this time of Bible study right now, oh God. Let your glory rest upon us, oh God. Let your glory saturate us in the mighty name of Jesus. We come against any distractions, any seeds that the enemy will try to sow, oh God. We blood block it in advance, oh God. We declare the enemy will not be able to snatch this word from taking root in the lives of these your people. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right, so um, when we last met, met, again, we were on part four of uh, erecting holy golly altars. And, of course, we talked about uh, how uh, holy golly altar is the most powerful altar that there is. So it, regardless of how many evil altars the enemy have set up, a golly altar is the most powerful altar there is. One golly altar can destroy countless evil altars. So all it takes is one. One golly altar can destroy countless evil altars altars one godly altar can speak against all evil altars that are trying to work against you but the key is that we're staying persistent we have to keep working the altar we have to be persistent and consistent we can't just say okay i did it one time i did it a couple times i did it for one week and that's it we have to be persistent and consistent and working the altar through our praise through our worship offer up sacrifice of praise through making our petitions known unto god and so again like we mentioned it's not mandatory that you that you set up a physical altar, but we say the benefits of, of, of creating your own uh, physical altar, whether it be, you know, a, a chair, a table, and you, you put things on it, a box, you put put prayer requests in it, whatever the case would be, but you can create your own uh, godly altar. And so, as I mentioned, though it's not mandatory, the principles of godly altars have not changed. The sacrifices uh, uh, have changed because, again, a priest doesn't have to go you know, and offer up animals as sacrifice on behalf of people. Jesus Christ's blood did it once and for all. So it's a settled matter. So Jesus' sacrifice automatically makes you a priest that you can now offer up sacrifices 
unto God through the blood of Jesus Christ at any given time. So we talk with the spiritual godly altar that you can set up just by saying right here where I am. I put the blood of Jesus on this godly altar. Uh, and then you can begin making your sacrifices and the things you're putting on the altar. I put my family members. I put whoever, whatever. I put my marital destiny on this altar. I put my finances on this godly altar. That's the spiritual godly altar that you can set up anywhere you go at any given time. But then we talk about the physical godly altar that you can set up uh, in your home, you know, at your job, different places that you can set up physical altars. That's that that represent your meeting place with God. That and then those altars can cry out on your behalf. Those altars will cry out on be, everything you put on that altar. The altar will cry out on its behalf or on that person's behalf, right? And so just put put that put in that perspective. We also talk about sacrificial offerings. Uh, there's an offering, and, and then there's a sacrificial offering where you're literally making an offering unto God about something, and that offering is costing you something. It costs you something. It's a sacrifice. It's uncomfortable. It's over and beyond what you might would be normally comfortable comfortable offering at that time, but it's a sacrifice that you make unto God. So we talked about sacrifices on godly altars. So, uh, and then and of course we we, we talked about uh, Jacob erected a godly altar, and literally it became a portal of heaven. He erected an altar because he had a vision case from God. He had a, 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 a dream, but he knew that that God was there. So he named the place Bethel, right? Uh, uh, pretty much the house of God. And so he literally experienced God's presence there. And, and not, not knowing that, uh, uh, he wasn't the first one who uh, experienced that. Abraham had also experienced it in that same exact spot. And so what did he do? He, he, he got a stone. He had slept on this particular stone. And the same stone, he turned into it an altar. It became a memorial. He raised a memorial unto God. So a godly altar also serves as a memorial to, to what God has done. So it's your place to go and prepare to execute your victory on earth. So the, the petition that you lay out on your godly altars, that manifests, that altar would then be a reminder of what God has done. For example, I told you that I have a godly altar that I've, erect I've erected. Um, Right now, it's, it's, it's a box, and I put all prayer requests in there, things that I'm covering, things I'm putting on the altar. And so then now I have, have, have them written out, and then certain things that already manifest, you can take them out, or, or I, I kind of put it in a certain spot to, be, to remind me, this this section, this is what God has already done. This is what have already manifested. This was already happened. So then you're not just praying for things and feeling like nothing's happening because you forgot about what God has already done. So your altar that you set up also reminds you of how many victories you've had. It reminds you of how many things God has brought you through. It reminds you of how many petitions that have already been answered. So it's a power of setting up a godly altar. And we said again about praying over your home uh, because you're supposed to have spiritual jurisdiction over your home. Uh, uh, but in some homes, demons control the gates and they only allow what comes in. So many things that come in and out. So you have to take back control of the gate in your home, etc. So, uh, So this importance of setting up those, those, those godly altars. And we would say that when Jacob made that vow unto God, that if God would protect him, uh, take care of him, that he would, he would, he would, and that he would be able to return in peace, that God would be his God. And the altar that he said would be the house of God. So the house of God can be wherever you set up your altars, not just any church building. You are the church. Your home is the house of God because his presence should be able to dwell where you live. Right? And so Jacob said he was going to create uh, this could be the house of God, and he will also sow a tenth or a tithe of his increase, which is the tithe, tithe, his tithe. So he came into covenant with God from the encounter that he had with God. And so, again, the importance of setting that godly altar, uh, I suggest 
you know, setting up your own physical altar, not just a spiritual altar, but a physical altar. Uh, that's that's your meeting place with you and God. And again, reminds you of the, as a memorial of all the things that God has done, all the things God has manifested uh, in your life and knowing that that altar will cry out on your behalf, even when you're not there. That altar will cry out on your behalf. Amen. All right. So that's just a quick recap of the last our last Bible study. Today, we're going into part five of destroying evil altars. We can continue with erecting holy godly altars. So we're still talking about erecting holy godly uh, altars. So, so again, putting that back in perspective again, that you erect an altar and, and it can set up how it works for you, however you want it to be, however you want it to look. You can make it as pretty as you want it to look, as plain as you want it to be. Whatever you want your altar to look like, whatever you want it to be, you can set it up that way because that's going to be represent one of your meeting places with God. And you're putting sacrifice on that altar. You're putting you're putting prayer requests, petitions on that altar that you said on this altar. This is what I'm crying out for. This is what I'm putting on altar. God, answer me in this area. I'm, I'm calling on you for this. I'm, I'm looking for manifestation and my marital destiny on this altar, my finances on this altar, my children on this altar. I put them on this altar. We talk about even prophetic acts that you can get a picture. You can get a, a, a shoe. You can get a clothing article of a family member, whatever case be that you're praying for their healing, for deliverance, for whatever case it be. And now. And don't get that confused with witchcraft because witches and warlocks will do that same thing for evil. But they, they're not the originator. They're not the creator of that concept. So putting that in perspective, they're not the creator of that concept. They just came and hijacked it because they knew the power of that point of contact. They know the power of the point of contact. That's why those witch talks, you know, they say, well, go get a piece of hair. Go get a piece of their clothing. Go get a fi their, uh, their fingernail. Go, you know, you get deep, you know, go collect their semen. Uh, uh, there, there's people who the enemy use in, in for the Marine King who will literally uh, uh, have intercourse with, 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 with individuals and, and collect their fluids to then take to the to the Marine Kingdom, the city under the sea, to curse them. So so it, it gets it, 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 it gets deep, but for that it's just a point of contact. So a point of contact can be anything, but it's a prophetic act. Just like when Apostle Paul, they said they took handkerchief from Apostle Paul, he prayed over it, and then they sent it, and just the handkerchief from his body began to heal people. It wasn't the power in the handkerchief. It was the anointing that was transferred on the handkerchief. So the anointing is transferable. The anointing is transferable. So that's what I'm saying. If you get articles, certain things, even pictures of, of, of family members or whoever you're praying for, et cetera. Uh, uh, again, those things aren't necessary, aren't mandatory, but those are points of contact. And it is a prophetic act. So I'm just showing you different examples and knowing that these things all work in our favor when we talk about raising and erecting a godly, a holy, godly altar. Do witches and warlocks do the same concept? Yes, but it's for evil. They're, 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 they're doing it for evil. We do it for good. But keep in mind, there is no such thing as a good witch. Because they'll, they'll still be doing those things, claiming to be doing good. Uh, uh, well, well, do this, come come and do this, and I'll make sure that uh, so-and-so likes you. I'll make sure that uh, uh, so-and-so doesn't get the job and you get in their place. Things of that nature. Uh, that's still witchcraft, you know, so, or because someone did something wrong, so we're going to do all this stuff to try to cause evil upon them, etc. Because they got me mad on the job, etc. That's still witchcraft. There's no such thing as a good witch, as good witchcraft. We'll talk about raising holy golly altars unto God. Through Jesus Christ, according to the will of God. So, so just, just putting that, putting that uh, in perspective. Uh, but Teresa, is it through through speaking to them on the phone? 
Uh, I'm not exactly sure what you're uh, referencing, speaking to them on the phone. You have to give a little more explanation as far as um, exactly what you're saying there. So, so again, so putting back perspective, so we have the ability to raise holy, godly altars unto God. We can put our sacrifices on. We can pray uh, uh, at this altar, make sacrifices at this altar, and expect results at this altar. It's that your meeting place with God, with 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 the with 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 the holy, uh, 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 divine meets uh, the physical. So 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 it's it's a godly altar that we erect. It's 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 coming in covenant with God, and there's many vows that can be made on these altars. Many sacrifices made on these altars. All right, let's go to uh, Genesis 35. Genesis 35, verses one through three. And then verses 9 through 10. Again, Genesis 35, verses 1 through 3, and verses 9 through 10. Now, Patrice, not unless you make far as points of contact to speak to someone on the phone, uh, maybe you talk about that, which that would be a point of contact as well. Genesis 35, verses 1 through 3, and 9 through 10. Here's what it reads. Then God said to Abram, then God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. Verse nine to 10. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. So we see the same parallel with Abram or Abraham in, in Genesis 12. Uh, in verse one, God spoke to Jacob and he told him to go back to Bethel, the same place where he had the dream of the ladder from earth ascending to heaven. We talked about that the last time we met. So, so the, the dream that, that he had, where again, he saw the ladder ascending from uh, to heaven. And so God uh, from heaven. And so God gave him instructions. God told him, he said, OK, Jacob. Get rid of the false gods in your house. He told me, get rid of the false gods in his house. It was probably those uh, uh, of some of his servants or those around him who were worshiping false gods in the land. Uh, and so in order to make room for more of God, you you have to get rid of old baggage. You have to get rid of some idols, some things that that are hanging around, some dead weight. There's some things that you, you have to separatize with. There's some things you have to cut off. There's some things you have to stop doing. We talk about making sacrifices unto God for where he's taking you. Yeah, so-and-so, they can get away with it, but you can't get away with it because where God is taking you, where God is leading you, with the territory God is sending you in, you have to be focused. Now, we still have fun. We still have a good time in the Lord, but you understanding your assignment, the seriousness of your assignment. So, yes, your eyes of understanding are being open. Yes, you start to see some things that maybe other people may not see. And they say, oh, you're being too deep. Oh, it's not that. No, no, it's not about being deep. You understand 
how the enemy operates. You understand the tricks, the tactics of the enemy. So you're like, wait a minute, I can't fool up with that. I can't mess around with that because I know what's coming from that. Yes, they can watch anything that they want and anything can go into their eye gates. But guess what? You can't let anything go into your eye gates, anything go into your ear gates because it's going into your soul and it's wounding your soul and it's causing issues in your soul because what God is carrying, God is taking you. So don't look at what they're doing or what they're not doing, what they're getting away with. Your assignment is not their assignment. And let's be real. There's some folks who just not carrying out their God given assignment to begin with. So, so let's stop that whole comparison game or, well, why does it seem harder for me? I have to go through this, this, this journey, et cetera, et cetera. Did Jesus moan and complain as far as why is it he had to carry out that assignment? The only moment of flesh that we saw was when he was about to be crucified. He said, Father, let this cup pass for me. Lord, I know I got to do this, but I don't want to do it right now because I know the pain I'm about, to, I'm about to experience. Father, let this cup pass from me. Then he finally said, Lord, not my will. But your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. So he recognized, I know I got to do this. I know the sacrifice I have to make. But I'm willing to do it for the salvation of many that's going to come after me. There's some sacrifices you're making that is beyond you. There's some sacrifice you're making that goes way beyond you. It's for generations and others that's going to come after you, others that God is going to connect to you, and that you're carrying this because of those that you're going to set free, those you're going to bring, bring, bring into the light and push them forward into destiny. And I say it all the time. There's some folks who will never get saved except you pray. There's some folks who will never get healed, delivered, set free except you pray. There's some folks who will never walk in light but will continue to walk in darkness except you pray. We would not be here today. We would not have salvation if it were not for what Jesus did for his sacrifice because of what he did for the so many who can now become saved, for the so many who can now go direct to God for ourselves. So look at it that way. You, you are the manifestation of Christ in the earth. Now, he only died once and for all and rose from the dead. So we don't have to die for salvation. Jesus Christ died for us to have it. But there is a daily death. For me now, there's a daily death. We're going to get into that, about that, that crucifying that flesh. There's a daily, a daily dying. And you're dying to this flesh. But it's a crucifixion that's going on for the sake of the many that you're going to set free. Remember, you are the manifestation of Christ in the earth. You are the manifestation. He, he died once, fallen, rose from the dead. So therefore, resurrection power lies in you. But we daily go through a death, daily through a sacrifice, dying to this flesh so that we can pick up the will of God so that many others can be saved, so that many others can be set free, so that many others' eyes of understanding can be opened. Hello, somebody. So, so I'm putting in perspective. You have to understand the power that you carry. And, and I'm trying to get the church to understand the body of Christ, understand the true power and authority that you carry. That's why the enemy wants you to stay asleep. The enemy doesn't want you to be woke. The enemy doesn't want you to wake up. The enemy wants you to remain asleep because they understand the power that you truly have. Satan sometimes understands more power that you have than you do. So they're attacking you based on not where you are, but based on where you're going. They're attacking based on the assignment, based on the, the, the assignment God has already released unto you. So, so, so put in perspective now. So Jacob had this, got these instructions from God again, right? And so 
It was these idols that was in the camp, these false gods, these, these, these shrines, these, these altars, these evil altars that have been set up in the camp. And God said, no, you got to get rid of that. If you, if you want to go to this next level, you want something from me, check your camp. There's some accursed things. Some of you got to check your camp. Some of you, there's some contamination in your camp. There's some accursed things in your camp that's attached to you, that's causing contamination. The enemy says, well, I can't get to you directly the way that I want to, but I can get to you through association, through who you're connected to, to what you're connected to. So then the enemy says, okay, well, there's some contamination here. So then eventually they want that contamination to begin to wear off on you. So they can then gain more legal access to then attack and to steal and to rob and cause issues in your life. And so, again, we know the target is big on your back because you expose the enemy's camp. You're exposing the plans of the enemy and you're teaching others how to fight, how to war, how to strategically pray. So don't be shocked by the attack, but rejoice. Scripture says, do, do not be do not be shocked concerning this fiery trial that's in front of you, though some strange thing has happened. You're bringing the name of Jesus Christ. That makes you a target by itself. But you become an even bigger target when you bear the name of Jesus Christ. And now you're exposing the enemy's tactics. You're overturning the enemy's plan. You're not just sitting there taking it. You're overturning his plans. You're fighting back strategically. Then you're teaching others how to do it. Now you, you're causing a whole group of people to, to, to know how to counterattack. And now the enemy is upset. So he was sometimes he would send folks and use folks and folks on assignment to try to get you distracted, to try to get you to lose focus, to also be to try to get you out of prayer. That is one of the key strategies of the enemy. The enemy wants you out of prayer. And again, every child of God prays. But the key is praying on the level of your promotion. The enemy understands that very well. So they want to attack your prayer life. They want to attack your consistency, your persistency when it comes to prayer. Hello? Kimberly said, can you wage war fair on the devil when you have a wounded soul? You can wage war, but it's very important to get those wounds healed because you don't want to be on a battlefield wounded because then it's easy, easy targets. So, so you definitely want to continue to target your soul daily, daily target wounds in your soul daily, daily, 100%. All right. And so and so let's look what happens here. So so you, you can't allow or don't allow who or what you're connected to contaminate what God has placed in you. So notice that before God was willing to take Jacob to the next level, he had to clean some things up. He had to clean some things up. Not only would Jacob be blessed, but those connected to him would be blessed. They had to get rid of the idols. And then it says change their filthy garments. And when he's talking about changing their filthy garments, that was literal and spiritual. That was literal and spiritual. So understand, there are filthy garments that the enemy tries to put on children of God in the realm of the spirit. And I've taught on this before about evil garments, filthy garments. And so they can name the evil garment. They can name it anything that they want, whatever they desire to happen in that person's life. They can name that filthy garment poverty that you experience that in the poverty. They can name it rejection. They can rename it lust, barrenness, fear. They can they can name it got, not getting married. They, they, can, they can name it all type of things. And so they will put that filthy garment on an individual uh, in a realm of the spirit. And then to keep and then using the evil altar to continue to keep keep the evil garments working or, or, or them being clothed, those evil garments. And they can even throw feces at a person in the realm of the spirit 
to cause them to have an odor coming off of them. It can manipulate things in, a, in the spirit to make a person, uh, to make a woman look like a man. To someone who would normally be interested, but then, then that woman's looking like a man, so all they see is a man and, and totally pass by. Or a man looking like a woman. Filthy garments, evil garments that the enemy put in, and it's unbeknownst to the person. You know you're a man, you know you're a woman, but in the realm of the spirit, if that evil garment is on you, then the enemy can literally say, okay, well, this person is going to look like, this man, woman is going to look like a man. So that if a man, even the one sees you, he's not going to see you. He's going to see a man. So he keep walking and vice versa. So that's part of evil garments, filthy garments that has to be removed in the realm of the spirit. So these things going on all in the realm of the spirit. Like I said, the spirit realm is more real than the natural. Repeat after me. The spirit realm is more real than the natural. Right. And so and so. Familiar spirits monitor you from conception. You know this. I teach this all the time. They monitor you when you were conceived, not when you were born, when you were conceived. And on so, and then so Satan gets so desperate to try to stop you that he will go to the courts about someone, even when they're in the birth canal. For some of you, when you were in your mother's womb, the enemy went to the courts of heaven trying to find some legal right to you, trying to find some legal right to attack. He said, okay, well, I can't, there's nothing this child did, but can I use the legal right? What did the parents do? What, or or uh, let's say the parents wanted a boy, but got but got a girl or vice versa and got upset because you weren't the sex that, that they wanted you to be. Demons can then send rejection through the umbilical cord. So think about how powerful you really are and what you're called to when demons, well, when, 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 when fallen angels said are going to the courts of heaven about when you were born, about you when you were born. Like I said, obviously you had no sin as an infant. But they'll go to the courts to try to bring cases based on the iniquities on your bloodline. Onto the iniquity. So there's no, it's no accident. There's no such thing as an accident. It's no accident. Well, uh, 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 sexual molestation and, 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 and sexual embarrassment as a child. There's not accident. It's not by accident when those things happen. The child was already marked by the enemy when they were conceived. You are a target in the womb. So I'm saying, well, that's not fair. Now you know what you know so that you can cover your children in future generations. Now, that's why we, we definitely needed God's grace. We definitely can't do it. It's God's grace that got us through so much when we were ignorant to it. So, so, so children born with all types of challenges out of the womb or birth defects or definitely an attack of the enemy. And you have to see it as what it is, an attack. And it's not nothing to beat yourself up about. It's the attack that was against you, against your bloodline. And so the enemy was determined to attack through some legal right. So God knew the legal right in Jacob's house. God knew the legal right in Jacob's house for the enemy was that idol worship, those idols, those evil altars. And he was not going to allow it if Jacob was going to advance. So there's no question that evil altars were set up in Jacob's house, in his camp. And those altars had to be de de dealt with, destroyed. And so Jacob had allowed it to go on and was finally bringing it to an end with those who were serving him. He was finally bringing it to an end. And truthfully, he should have destroyed it at that point, but he buried it. Really, it should have been completely destroyed because then I gave them opportunity to dig it up again. So, so understand, it's time to transition. You, you can't take with you in this season who and what God said no to. I'm going to say it again. You cannot take who and what 
in this season that God has said no to. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Don't try to ignore the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't try to ignore what the Lord is showing you, what you know the Lord is telling you, but you don't want to let it go. You don't want to let it go because you're holding on. And the very thing some of you are holding on to is the very thing that the enemy is using to pull you down. Is the very thing the enemy is trying to use to kill you from the inside out. Some things have to be cut off. Is it easy? No. That's why you take it to the altar. That's why you put it on the altar. Obedience is a must. And so after being obedient, God then appeared to Jacob in the same place that he had the dream and the same place that God appeared to Abraham. And this was a geographical portal on earth. Today, the city of Jerusalem, other places around the world are believed to be physical portals of heaven today because of the great revelation that many receive and going there. But your home, with your prayer closet, your altar set up can become a portal of heaven on earth. And so it's after Jacob built the altar, at the same place, God also changed Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel. God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And when you get in God's glory, everything about you will change for the better. It has to. It has to. But you have to continue to pursue him and chase after him. So the power of a godly altar is evident. Follow me now. Jacob's sacrifice unto God brought about a name change. Jacob's sacrifice unto God brought about a name change. Things change at a godly altar. Situations, circumstances, changes at a godly altar. As you keep praying and offering sacrifices unto God on your godly altar, things must change for the good because the altar speaks. The altar always speaks. The altar always speaks. There is a guarantee you continue to work the altar. Serve at the altar. Do your prayer. Through your offering of thanksgiving unto God, through sacrificial offerings, there's a guarantee that the altar will speak. The altar will cry out on your behalf. The altar will cry out on your petitions. Please understand. Follow me now. Everything has an ear. Catch this now. Everything has an ear. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he cursed it and said, you will not bear fruit. He came back, the, the fig tree was withered. It had an ear. Jesus spoke to the sea. He spoke to the storm. Be still. It has an ear. Elijah spoke to the, uh, 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 the clouds that it would not rain, and it did not rain for seven years. He spoke to the cloud. The clouds have an ear. Witch and warlocks go and try to control the elements, try to cause hurricanes, try to try to manipulate the sun and the moon to bring curses upon you. When the sun comes up, they want you to be cursed. When the moon comes up, they want you to be cursed. That's why some folks lose their mind or they call them lunatics when, the, when there's a full moon out because of curses. They're speaking to the moon. The moon, the sun has an ear. That's why you can speak to the sun. You can speak to the elements and say, no, when the sun, you rise up, I expect nothing but blessings. Moon, when you rise, stars, when you come out, blessings upon my life. It has an ear. Follow me now. The altar, when, when, when in Old Testament, when they made sacrifice on the altar, the blood, God responded to the sacrifices. His presence came upon the altar. 
But remember I said that the altar, a godly altar, also becomes a weapon against the enemy. The blood of Jesus speaks. The blood of Jesus has a voice. We can send the blood and it speaks against the works of the enemy. It has a voice. Everything has an ear. So when you raise a godly altar, the godly altar has an ear. And we'll get into Cain and Abel down the road. But remember, said, the Lord said, I heard. He said, Cain, where is your brother Abel? Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, don't worry, Cain, because I heard his blood crying out from the ground. The blood speaks. There's life in the blood. That's why blood sacrifice was so important uh, uh, in the Old Testament. That's why Jesus' blood had to be shed for us to get back in right standing with God, because the blood speaks. All blood has a voice. That's why innocent bloodshed will be vindicated. All blood has a voice. All godly altars you erect unto God has an ear and it has a voice. So when you're making sacrifices on the altar, you're calling on the name of the Lord. You're praising him. You're worshiping him. You're putting your petition on the altar. You're crying out to him. Then when you get up from that altar, you already met with God. You had an encounter with God there, knowing that God is there regardless because you're calling on him. You raise his altar. This is a, your divine meeting place with God. When you get up from that altar, all the petitions, all the prayers that you made on that altar, not only would it speak against evil altars that are working against you, but when you arise from the godly altar, go through your daily activities, go to work, go doing what you're doing. The altar is still crying out on your behalf. The altar is still speaking back everything that you put on, on the altar. It's carrying the very thing you put on it. So here you are. You already called it. You called out. You said it. You, you, you prayed for it. You prayed for mom, dad, siblings, uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, uh, uh, co-workers, spouses, etc. You finance. You pray for all these things. The altar is a living organism. You get up. Remember, it's a meeting place for God. God, uh, it, the, the altar is only activated because of the blood of Jesus, right? And now it becomes a meeting place for God. So when you leave the altar, you really didn't leave the altar. Because your very words that you prayed on that altar are now going to be rehearsed back to God. Because the altar is alive. Did you hear me? The altar is alive. I'm going to show you on the dark side. When, when witches, walks, and sorcerers are making their evil sacrifices on an evil altar. Why is it that, hear me clearly, why is it that an altar that your ancestors may have erected centuries ago is still, can still be active? Why is it that it can still be speaking? Because it's speaking even with ancestors who already did. The sacrifice they made on that altar still speaks until you silence it. Until you silence it. That's the power of an altar. That's the power of an evil altar. Of an ungodly altar. Of a demonic altar. And that's why you got to deal with the altars. That's why you got to deal with the priests. And then there may be a new generation that pops up. And then there's some other witch warlock social who's going to try to work those family altars. That's been working against you. You got to destroy it. Because then they're sending demons out from those altars to do, to do damage. To try to attack. And so those demons, as long as they're still sacrificed on that altar, as long as there's still covenants that have been made, they still have legal rights to kind of come from that altar. They still be moving around and trying to come at you from that altar that was erected. So how much more as a child of God who raises a godly altar unto God, how much more would that altar speak on your behalf? And this, this is fresh, hot, this is fresh 
heart of the press. Then you have it in my notes about the altar being alive. This, this is fresh rhema, fresh revelation that just hit my spirit. All things I'm sharing to you right now in reference to the altar being alive. It's alive. It's a living organism. See, if you, if you can begin to see it like that, everything has life. Faith is a living organism. Love is a spirit. The spirit realm is more real than a natural. When you set up that godly altar, that spiritual altar, and then that physical altar that, that, that's connected to God spiritually, it has life. And it will speak and cry out on your behalf when you're doing other things, when you're moving forward, when, you, when you're doing other things, doing whatever. The altar will still cry out on your behalf. And the altar will look forward to you coming back in. Because remember, the blood of Jesus activates it. So right there, the blood of Jesus is going to make it alive. And then that will become your meeting place with God. And then you showing back up, communing with God over and over and over again. And the altar is happy. Hear me clear. The altar is happy to hold your request as you submit them unto God. The altar is honored that you erected it unto God. Hear me clearly. The godly altar is honored that you raised it up. You have to understand your creative ability. I'm showing you your, your creative ability. Remember, you are the DNA of God. You have the power to create. When you create this altar, it becomes alive because you're covering it with the blood of Jesus. It becomes a living organism. Though you can't see it, speak, it's alive. It becomes a living organism. And the altar is literally happy to begin to hold all your prayer requests, begin to hold all your petitions. It's happy to begin to hold all your sacrifices. It's honored that you raised it. It's honored that you created it to worship God. The altar does it is not an idol. You don't worship the altar. You're worshiping God. The altar is just a tool to hold your requests and to remind you what God has done and remind you what God will manifest in your life. The altar is alive. The altar speaks. The altar is a living organism. So in your mind, when you think about this living, this, this, this altar, this godly altar, you have to think about it as a real thing, as a real being, a real spiritual being that you created through the creative ability of God. You literally created a living being that is holding your prayer requests, that is holding your petitions. And God is meeting you there. God is meeting you at that altar. And conception happens in the realm of the spirit. And in that altar, again, reminds it becomes a weapon. And it will begin to speak against all the evil that's trying to come up against you. It will begin to speak against every evil altar that's trying to come up against you. Because then now that altar takes on a responsibility of saying, it's my job to hold these requests until they all manifest. It's my job to hold these prayer requests. It's my job to hold these sacrifices. And as it's being submitted unto God, it is my job to hold these petitions. Until it manifests. So if I see something, so the altar sees something trying to come against the very thing you prayed on the altar, now the God also begin to speak against it. We begin to war against it because it's a living being. You got to catch it. This is messing with your theology here. It's a living being. If you could see in the realm of the spirit, you would see that the altar can speak because you create it through your creative ability that, that you have because of the DNA of God that you have. You created a living altar. Hello, somebody. Are, are you catching this? I, I, I got to make sure you're getting this right here. I want you to see that it's a living 
also it's a living being that can talk that can fight on your behalf if you created a living being when you erected golly altar i'm showing the mysteries of an altar here now that you literally are creating a living being and most of you probably never heard that before that you can you can create something that's living i just told you everything has an air to hear everything around you is alive everything if you can speak to a tree god spoke to a tree that you're not gonna bear fruit and didn't bear fruit it clearly had an ear to hear so i i, I i'm helping you that you got that you, you're a different type of warrior you, you're shifting from status quo christianity you're shifting into true power and authority of god and that you can handle the meat of the word of god that you can handle the meat the deeper things of god you're not getting this in sunday school you're not getting this in, 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 in most Sunday services. This is a new thing that God is doing, and he's opening your eyes for you to see where he's shifting you, where he's taking you, and why he called you, and why he chose you. So you can understand these mysteries of the kingdom of God, so you can be more equipped, better equipped to deal with the works of the enemy, and better equipped to establish God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, to usher in this great revival. So that's an honor. That's a privilege. And the golly altar is honored. The golly altar is honored. Honored. Is that the fire alarm going off? Something going off, going up in here. Probably from some smoke or whatnot. So there you go. We just sound the alarm in the realm of the spirit. That's all. The, the alarm is sounding in the spirit. That 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 is what's going on. So so it's alive. It's alive again. The golly altars are alive. So I, I, I'm putting that. In perspective for you. I wait for this alarm to stop here. Right, take Amen. All right. So this is a distraction now. Let me see if I can cut this alarm off right quick. Okay, I guess it stopped. Amen. Amen. So there we go. That was a little uh uh interruption there but again it, it's the, the alarm is being sounded around the spirit we can use that prophetically that there literally is an alarm being sound sounded in the realm of the spirit that you are on the scene that you are showing up that you're raising golly altars to work and come against the enemy you're raising golly altars for the petition that you put on that altar expecting that it's going to produce results amen so again when you get in god's glory everything changes for the better there's a power in the altar. As you keep praying and offering sacrifices on a godly altar, things must change for the good. Because what? The altar speaks. And the way God's going to move in this season, your home can be under an open heaven. Like I said, your home, you create this godly altar, you can create a portal of heaven where angels are ascending and descending. Ascending and descending. Right where you are. Because of the level of glory that's coming off your life. And so again, the, again, being on that open heaven. So, so God's releasing many opportunities in this season that will present you with many options. Heaven is going to invade earth through the power of God at work in your life. And so things may be shaking around you, but this shaking will shift you to greater dimensions in God. So remain in him and he will remain in you. Let's go to 2 Samuel 2, to the 2 Samuel 24. 2 Samuel 24. 2 Samuel 24, verses 22 to 26. I went off all my notes that I had written out there in reference to that because that was, like I said, all that was fresh rain, a fresh revelation, hot off the press right there. 
about that altar literally being a living organism and you literally creating, you creating a living being that is literally holding your petitions for God. And it's honored that you created to hold these petitions. And it wants to see it through that everything you have on it manifest. But you have to keep working the altar. Keep showing up, meeting God at the altar. Keep making sacrifices on the altar. Second Samuel 24. 2 Samuel 24. Verses 22 through 26. Again, at 2 Samuel 24. Verses 22 to 26. Read the New King James Version. It says, now, Arana said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Arana has given to the king. And Arana said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Arana, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David brought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. So in this past, we find King David. He had sinned against God through his pride and having a census taken. So he had a census taken of all the people to see how big his army was. Now, in, in, in general, it doesn't seem that would be a bad thing, but it was through pride. It was done out of a prideful heart. So God spoke to the prophet Gad and David had three choices. He said, all right, David knew he sinned. He was, he was convicted. He said, I know I've sinned. And he said, okay, David, you got three choices. What punishment do you want to come upon this land? And so it, he, out of all the three, he said, I'd rather fall in God's hands uh, uh, than the hand of man, so to speak. So, so, so I'll take this third plague. And so he chose the plague. So 70,000 men died. And David saw the angel who was bringing the destruction. And so Gad, the prophet, came to David again and instructed him. He said, okay, David, what you need to do, you need to erect, you need to erect an altar unto God. This plague is going on. And, 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 and Satan already came in David's heart with that pride and caused him to call for the senses to begin with because God knew, knew deep, deep down what was in David's heart. And he said, so, so Gad, the prophet, Gad said, David, King David, you need to go ahead and you need to erect an altar unto God. And so David was obedient and went to the place that he was told. God, God through the prophet, told David where he needed to go. And there was a man named Arana who, who owned a threshing floor. And of course, the threshing floor was a place where farmers would bring their grain and, and they would beat it or, or had it stumped on to separate the husk or the chaff from the, from the grain. And so Arana was honored that the king was coming to his threshing floor and that the king wanted to erect a godly altar on his threshing floor and was willing to provide this. And then so Arana was like, all right, I'll provide the sacrifice for you. I'll give you the threshing floor because you're the king. I, I'm honored that you come here so you can have, here's the sacrifices for you. You can have the threshing floor. But notice what David said. David said, no, I will not offer sacrifice unto God that costs me nothing. Hello, somebody. That costs me nothing. Hello, somebody. 
He said, I don't want to do it if it's going to cost me nothing. Because it was too much of a pressing matter. 70, 70 thousand men. 70 thousand men had already died. So they were like, no, you can't give me the threshing floor. No, you can't give me this. No, no, I, I got to make a sacrifice. I, I got, it, it, it can't cost me nothing. Too much is going on. It's got, it, it's going to cost me something. He understood the value of sacrifice. He understood the value of sacrifice. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. We're supposed to submit our bodies as a living sacrifice. So he said, no, something's going to cost. It's going to cost because something God just hand to us, hey, go, you walk in as you do this, et cetera, and, and you won't appreciate it. And you won't, you won't be a good steward over it because it costs nothing. Expect you to have a great, huge, a magnitude of things. Now, of course, the enemy overplays his hand because they try to attack from certain angles and it actually puts you deeper into prayer. It actually puts you deeper into walking in your power. But David said, no. Great gesture. Thank you. In some cases, maybe I would have accepted this. But right here, I can't accept this for free. 70,000 of my men have died from this plague. I've been instructing to raise his godly altar and I'm going to be a beating and no, I'm going to buy this from you. It's got to cost me something. That's the power of sacrifice. Now, there's many things that will be given. That'll be sown into you. Thank the Lord. That's it. That's divine favor. That's God's grace, etc. But there's something when you go into the altar. Some major pressing things. You say, Lord, this needs to happen. And it needs to happen last year. It needs to happen years ago. And this is a pressing matter. This is a, this, I, I'm desperate for this thing, oh God. It's going it's to cost you something. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up for this? Yeah, even in the midst of the enemy trying to block it and hold it up. Now, if it's already been released, you fight your war until you get it. But there's some things because of the power of an altar. A godly altar, you say, Lord, I'm willing to sacrifice this. This is going on. This shouldn't be going on. This has been delayed. And so I'm sacrificing this because give me more insight. What's going on? Help me to see more of what's happening. Why is it taking so long? What's, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? What's going on around me? I want to go deep in you. I want to hear more answers from you. It's going to cost me something. I'm giving this up, oh God. I'm turning over my plate. I'm not going to eat until I see the results in this area. Sacrifice. David understood the value of sacrifice. Although it was a good gesture from Arana, not this time, Arana. I can't accept it for this time. David knew this was a pressing matter. So he was not going to offer the sacrifice without it costing him something. Lives were on the line. So David built the altar. And what happened? When David built the altar, verse 25, and David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. One altar stopped the plague that killed 70,000 men. One altar. So imagine armies that the enemy tried to send against you. All these demonic troops the enemy tried to send against you. Thousands of demons, depending on what's going on, thousands of demons coming at you. 
one Galeota will stop, can stop the plague. One altar that David raised, this plague that had killed 70,000 men, and it could have kept going and going. David was obedient. He erected his godly altar, and the plague stopped immediately. It can stop so much that the enemy tries to sin against you. So we see the significance of the sacrifice and the power of the godly altar. So your godly altar or altars that you erect unto God will cry out on your behalf and produce results. It will cry out on your behalf and produce results. Hello? One altar stopped an entire plague. One altar, one godly altar stopped the plague that killed 70,000. How much more will your godly altar do and produce when you keep working that altar? When you keep showing up at that altar, making sacrifices unto God again, you don't worship the altar. The altar is a tool. It's a, it's a, it's it's a, uh, uh, an access point. It's a medium between you and your meeting place with God. It's a meeting place with you and God. The altar was the created thing, the created being. Remember, and you worshiping the Creator and using the altar as a tool to hold your petitions. And to offer sacrifices on it. Because the principles of the altar has not changed. It still produces power. Hello. Put it in perspective. Let's go to 2 Chronicles. I saw our last passage. 2 Chronicles 7. Verses 1 to 3. Dana, I'm trying to read it. I know with Facebook, every time someone types something, it cuts the rest of it off. I just see you said, mine has been calling me to divest myself of a particular, of a particular thing. Your godly altar can call out. I'm assuming call out to you, uh, I guess, certain things that God wants you to be doing because it's God responding. Uh, and, and, and your altar can cry out on behalf of things that should be happening. And you already have Holy Spirit, remember? Holy Spirit, it's his job to intercede on your behalf according to the will of God. It's his job to reveal a deep mystery to the kingdom of God unto you. And remember, we talk about walking in the spirit. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? Because I've taught on this before. All that simply means is that you as a spirit being, the DNA of God, you're stepping, you're literally stepping inside Holy Spirit. You're stepping inside Holy Spirit. And that's walking in the spirit. And Holy Spirit then steps inside Jesus. And Jesus then steps inside God. Hello? And then Revelation comes from God related to Jesus, Jesus related to Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit related to, related to our spirit, and we see manifestation. So putting that perspective, so walking in the spirit, it simply means that we're literally walking, we're literally walking in Holy Spirit. Literally in Holy Spirit. Fruits of the spirit, Holy Spirit. All right, 2 Chronicles 7, verses 1 to 3. Because when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped 
and praise the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So we know again, Solomon ruled as the king after his father David had died and Solomon decided to build a temple for God. He dedicated the temple unto God and raised a godly altar as a memorial. Remember we say, remember, godly altar is also a memorial of what God has done. So he raised his godly altar as a memorial unto what the Lord has done. And then he made sacrifices unto God as an offering. And during this time, they had to use animals as a sacrifice or offerings, as we well know, for sin, sacrifice of thanksgiving, sacrifice of devotion, peace offerings, etc. So we know, of course, the fire no longer consumes burnt offerings, animals. It consumes you and me now. We, we are the temple, the Holy Spirit. We are the temple now. You are the temple. You are the church, the, the ecclesia, the called out. You are the church. You are the church. And yes, there, there, there's other, uh, the Greeks and et cetera, who use the term church in their own context. But the church, the called out, the ecclesia, the body of Christ, that's who we are. And so now you are the temple of Holy Spirit. You are now the temple where God's glory can dwell. You are now a living ark of the covenant where God's glory can dwell. And imagine you being a living ark of the covenant of God's glory dwell, and then you're going to, a, to, to the altar that you were raised where God's presence comes. So now you talk about more of God's glory coming into one place and great things happening in the realm of the spirit. Now that fire consumes you, it consumes me. As we continue to walk in obedience, again, a fire will consume you, and you again will become a fully certified card-carrying fire starter for God. So again, a fire God consumes us first, then it will begin to spray. It will begin to spread in your area of influence, in your home, in your job, your business, career, everywhere. God's fire will consume you to do the work of the ministry in such a way that it spreads to others. It will be the outbreak, an outbreak for, of more fire starters being birthed, especially we talk about this great revival. Fires being started in the realm of the spirit. Great fires. It's God's time. And the earth will have to bow down to the king of kings. And notice that it happened. When did all this happen? After prayer. After Solomon had prayed, we look all the scripture when godly altars were raised. There was a sacrifice offered and there was prayer. Every altar must have a sacrifice. But it's only through prayer that ignites the altar. That ignites the altar. The blood of Jesus makes it makes it alive. Your prayer now ignites it. As you offer up your prayer, pray, offer, offer your sacrifice of praise, worship, submitting yourself fully unto God. Lord, whatever it is, I'm giving this up. I'll turn this over. Or sacrificial offering, seeds that you sow. Lord, I'm bowing at this godly altar now that I'm going to sow this sacrificial seed into wherever. He's leading you to sow it. Whatever it is. Lord, you tell me, oh, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sow my car, my vehicle into someone. Whatever it is, somebody's gonna be sacrificed. Some things require major sacrifice, but it's not about something that God needs. It's about us moving that flesh all out the way. And so again, this passage shows again that prayer literally can send fire down from heaven to wipe out the enemy, or fire down from heaven to ignite us. 
And this is why wisdom in battle, wisdom in battle is so important. We must know how to fight specific battles. Some battles require you to say something. Other battles require you to say nothing. And just send heavy hosts, send the weapons to do the work. Understanding strategy and warfare is very critical. It can be the difference between a simple victory. Hello. It can be a, a difference between a simple victory and major battle wounds that could have been avoided. Hello. And so some of you have, have, have experienced some wounds on the battlefield because of some battles that you don't even need to fight. And then you're weary from the fight. Because of the strategy that you went about doing. Or some things God didn't tell you to pick up. He didn't want you to pick that up. It was a little spark that the enemy wants you to go after so that they could, so you cannot be focused on the thing God put in front of you to focus on. So again, it's a, it could be a different, the right strategy can be a difference between a simple victory and major battle wounds that could have been avoided. Hello. And so as a living sacrifice, we're crucifying our flesh. We're putting down our will and picking up God's will. We activate a godly altar with prayer. Through prayer. Kimisha, does that apply to you when you're married to someone who's backsliding and don't want to serve? Well, of course, in that place, you have a responsibility to cover your, your spouse and to pray for them and, and receive for them. Definitely put them on that golly altar. Uh, now, of course, you two become one flesh. You become one. So obviously you two are one. But that don't mean that just because they're doing certain things that it automatically applies to you. But the enemy can use that as a legal right to gain access. Yes, but you can put a stop to that through your prayers, through your warfare, uh, et cetera. So there's certain things you can do in the realm of the spirit. That though you won, and you know that your spouse is sinning or doing things that shouldn't be, don't walk with Lord. Or I put, I, I draw a line in the sand that that whatever is, is attached to his sin, whatever attached to him cannot get to me. I, I cut off that, I cut off that umbilical cord. I cut, I severed that unhealthy tie or that unhealthy, that demonic umbilical cord that the enemy is trying to use to connect us two together to, 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 to from the sin that was committed. So you have a way to overturn that, to block that, to sever that uh, so that it doesn't affect you, impact you in that way. So, again, you cannot get the fullness of God's glory in your life without literally giving up your life and picking up Christ, who is your life. Colossians 3 makes it clear that Christ, who is our life. When he appears, we should appear also with him in glory. So your real life is in Christ anyway. Scripture taught being clothed in Christ. That, that, that's our real life. That's our real life. So Christ is literally your life. Literally. Christ is literally your life. So he wants to continue his work through us. He who has begun a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can we say when you pray at the Holy Altar, do you pray in the Holy Spirit? Is there more power in our prayers? Well, actually, you pray in the Spirit. You pray in tongues. You have to get the tongues. Absolutely pray, pray in the tongues. Uh, but the key is that you you you're, you make your petitions known. Make sure that you make it known what you put on that altar. Certainly, make sure that that's clear. So again, so again, Christ is literally your life. So again, we are the continuation of Christ in the earth. Our godly altars silences the demonic altars. So we see that the glory of the Lord entered the temple, and it was so powerful that everyone stopped what they were doing. Everyone stopped what they're doing. The priest could not even enter back into the temple because God's glory had filled it. God himself showed up. It was the manifested presence of God. All the people could do was bow down and worship God. 
Your prayers bring God's fire on the earth. Your prayer causes heaven to respond. Your prayers can bring God's judgment upon your evil enemies now. It can be expedited because of your rulership here on earth. So there's power that's coming from a godly altar. And remember, the godly altar is alive. It's alive. It's a living organism. A living organism. That you created through the power of God, the creative ability in you. That is now pleased and honored to be able to hold your petitions unto God. To hold your prayer requests. As you offer up sacrifices on it unto God. It's just a medium for you to offer up sacrifices unto God. And we talk about tangible, physical, godly altars and spiritual altars that you can set up in a realm of the spirit. They're living organisms. So imagine you have several altars with petitions on it. All those altars will cry out on your behalf. All those altars will speak on your behalf. And think about the power of one godly altar. How much more when you have multiple? Meditate on that. Think on that. The power of a godly altar. Amen. So that's all I have today. So also make sure on Facebook, share it, share it, share this with your friends, family on Facebook. So they will get this word on Periscope. Swipe up, share it with uh, your followers as well. So they, they'll get this word. People go back uh, and listen to it. Amen. So uh, the first call, if you're not saved, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. Christ came that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So salvation is not the end. Salvation is just the beginning. Salvation is just the beginning. So when you accept Jesus Christ, now you begin to live from him, for him, learn from, from him, learn about him, live for him in Jesus' name. So if you're not saved, it's your first time. Repeat after me. You ready to accept Lord Jesus Christ? Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And you rose again from the dead with all power in your hand. You've ascended to be back in heaven with God the Father. You are my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for all of my sins that I've committed and thought, word, or deed. Come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if that's your first time making that profession, guess what? You are saved. Welcome to the family of God. And that's your first time making that uh, confession, profession. You can go to send an email to info at decorigreen.org, info at D-O-Q-U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N.org. Uh, so you can get more information uh, to help you uh, on this journey. Amen. Uh, and, and the second call uh, is I'm talking to two different types of people here. Two different partners. So the first part we're talking about uh, is that if if you know that this is home, you've been you've been getting this word, you've been growing, you've been being stretched, you've been going deeper in the things of God. You know this is home. You've heard the sound. You're hearing the sound that's coming out of this ministry. The sound that's coming out of my my my, my mouth and it's bearing witness with your spirit. It is bearing your your baby is leaping, so to speak, and around the spirit. And you know this is home. No matter where you are across the globe, it's not just about being within the four walls. You are the church. So if this is home, you know that I'm your pastor, I'm your spiritual covering, no matter where you are across the globe, you understand God's doing a new thing and it'd be different from what you're accustomed to. But you know this is home. You know this is your church home. Then send an email. Uh, you can send an email to, to, to membership at decorigreen.org. Membership at D-O-Q, 
U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N.org membership at decoragreen.org, or you can send it to info at decoragreen.org. That's the first person I'm talking to. Second person I'm talking to, maybe you already have a church home, you connected there, you have assignment there, but I, I serve more as kind of a mentor. You get a supplemental word here, uh, but, but you still see you, you growing here, and I serve more as a mentor. You can also send an email uh, to, to, to membership at decoragreen.org or info at decoragreen.org so that you can get more information on becoming a partner of Upper Room Kingdom so we can get you plugged in and moving in the right direction. So those are two types of people that I'm talking to. Amen. Uh, the third person I'm talking to, uh, well, like I said, well, third type group I'm talking to is that you know this is a good word. You sow back into the word. You sow back into the ministry because guess what? The gospel is free, but ministry costs. It costs to spread this word. It, it costs to go all across to the nations. So and we need individuals like yourself sowing back in so we continue to get this word out to us. Everyone's not getting this word. So we continue to transform communities. There's so many things that's coming down the pipeline that. It, it costs money. We talk about land acquisition. So many things are to transform communities. And we need individuals like you to partner with us financially to sow uh, back into the ministry, into the church, so that we can continue to advance God's kingdom on earth uh, uh, as it is in heaven. So uh, scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. So don't ever sow a casual seed. Don't just randomly sow a seed. Some of you, you never made a sacrificial offering. Some of you gonna make a you gonna you gonna make a sacrifice something that's uncomfortable for you to sow that you never sow before. But Lord, maybe putting that on your heart to do because you understand the power of sacrifice. So again, if that's you, again you sowing. Remember, you name that seed, whatever that seed is, and and, and some of you you, you might have one dollar to your name temporarily. You're gonna have increase, but if you sow in a penny, that penny is gonna do more than that dollar you're holding on to by you sowing it. There's always saying, don't eat your seed, right? You plant it so it can grow. And so you can go to decorygreen.org, decorygreen.org, that's D-O-Q-U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N.org, and go to donate, and you sow with the Lord places in your heart to sow. And remember, name that seed. What do you want this seed to accomplish? Write down what you, how much you sowed, what you want that seed to accomplish. Remember, you can sow Seeds for the same thing over and over again, just like you can pray for the same thing over and over again. That that and that expands. That's so many seeds sown that the enemy gonna have a hard time trying to steal all those harvests. So name that seed. What do you want it to accomplish? And water it through prayer. Put it on your godly altar, and watch the manifestation come forth as you pray in your war until you see the results. Amen. Uh, the teacher say, "Can we have multiple altars?" Absolutely. After you can have as many altars as you want. Physical and many physical altars that you want. That's what I mentioned. You can have one in your home. You have one in your car. Have one in your job. Have one in different rooms in the house. So wherever you want. So you can have as many as many as you want. Amen. Amen. All right. Awesome. And also, of course, our kingdom T-shirts. You can go to IRuleAndReign.com. Many things you hear me saying, uh, such as you are the breath of God. God never, never wastes a breath. Witches get stitches. Uh, the earth is not your home, uh, but it's your throne. Uh, all those we put on the T-shirt. Uh, go to IRuleAndReign.com. That's I-R-U-L-E-A-N-D-R-E-I-G-N.com. IRuleAndReign.com. Amen. So, all right. So that's all that I have today. So, of course, I'm going to close out in prayer. And we'll be back again tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for our Warriors Prayer Closet, our weekly Monday through Friday uh, prayer and warfare. Amen. Father God, we come now to the end of yet 
another Bible study. We thank you, God, for the word that went forth, oh God. We know it went forth with power. I thank for each and everyone who's listening under the sound of my voice, oh God. I thank you for their dedication, oh God, to you, God. I thank you, God, for the godly altars, oh God, that that, that you will have them to erect and raise in their homes or wherever they go, oh God. I just thank you, oh God, that the altar is crying out on their behalf. We thank for the revelation that you revealed on day. We thank for the revelation that you're going to reveal to these your people and even how their eyes are open to today, the things that you begin to deal with them and their spirit, things that were said. We know, God, that you will uh, uh, discern it to them specifically, how it applies specifically to them, oh God. I declare your spirit of peace will rest upon these your people. I send the enemy hosts now to do war, to fight against any demon, which war social will try to come against these your people, oh God. I come against the spirit of retaliation right now. I blood block it now in the name of Jesus and I push these your people forward into their godly destinies, oh God. I declare everything you said about them, oh God. It shall manifest, oh God. I thank you for the warrior that they are, the warrior that you raise them up to be, oh God, that you raise them up and for a time such as this. I thank you, God, that you're ordering their very footsteps, oh God. I thank you, God, for the very doors you open in their lives, oh God. I thank you, God, that everything Oh God, they put on the golly altar, God. The golly altar will cry out on their behalf, and they shall see manifestation after manifestation after manifestation, oh God. And I declare your strength, oh God, your strength, oh God, for the joy of the Lord is their strength, oh God. I declare there should be strengthened, oh God, that they will not grow weary in well doing, oh God, that they will not give up, oh God, they will not throw in the towel, they will not be discouraged, oh God, or, or cast down, oh God, that they will realize, oh God, that it is already done, that it shall come to pass, God. We thank you, God. We praise you, God. Oh, God, I send your ministry angels now to minister unto these, your people, oh, God. I thank you for their life. I thank you for their legacy. I thank you for the calling on their life, oh, God. May your spirit of peace rest upon their homes, upon their households now, oh, God. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify your name now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So, again, make sure you go back and listen to this word. Please make sure you listen to this throughout the week. Make some time uh, before our next Bible study to go back and listen to it because you're not going to always get it all in one sitting. I don't want it to just be, oh, this was a good word or that was good revelation. And you're not going back and applying that word, listening to it again, because faith comes by hearing and by hearing and by hearing the word of God. That's how you continue to build your faith and grow your faith, which is also a living organism. So as always, remember that you are the breath of God and God never wastes a breath. This is Apostle DeCore Green sign out. God bless you. Have a smile upon you. See you tomorrow for prayer. Have a great evening. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.